You're listening to the Man Project Podcast with your host, Ted Rice. Would you like to be bigger, leaner, and stronger? Do you want to develop the confidence to go after what you want in life? Or how about becoming the man that women want to be with? We're here twice a week to empower you to reach your full potential so you can live life on your own terms. Subscribe to our podcast or download our free app in the iTunes Store or Google Play. Find it all at manprojectpodcast.com. Now, back to the show. You're about to hear an interview with an internationally renowned fitness expert and a guy who's widely regarded as one of the leading authorities on building muscle and burning fat. This is a guy who trains trainers. He shows people like me how to get their clients the best results from exercise and nutrition using the latest research. And in many cases, he's the guy who's either done or participated in doing the research. And on top of that, not only does he have a PhD in exercise science, but he has the real world gym knowledge from being a lifetime drug-free bodybuilder who's won numerous natural bodybuilding titles. His name is Dr. Brad Schoenfeld. And guys, this is someone who I go to when I want to learn the latest approaches to getting the best results. Brad Schoenfeld, welcome to the show. My pleasure, Ted. Yeah, I've given you a little bit of an intro, but for those people who aren't familiar with you, can you just talk a little bit about your background and what you do? Yeah, sure. Currently, I am the director of the Human Performance Lab at Lehman College in the Bronx, New York. I'm also an assistant professor there. I teach a variety of courses. I carry out a lot of research. I also speak internationally at many of the vast fitness conferences. I'm author of many fitness books published over 60 peer-reviewed papers, mostly on muscle building and fat loss. And I have previously been a full-time trainer where I own my own training facility for 18 years, sold it a couple of years ago to pursue teaching full-time. So I have a very varied background. I've been involved in the fitness field for a very long time, as you can imagine. And like I said before, you've got this rare and great mix of having the academic background, but also having this place where you get all these physique and bodybuilders, physique competitors and bodybuilders ready for their shows. So Brad, the question I get the most is on losing body fat. And we've all heard that nutrition is the limiting factor and seeing your abs is about 80% nutrition and 20% training. I'd love to hear like your view based on all your experience and also all the research you've done. As far as specifically, you mean what the contribution of nutrition is? Yeah, well, basically people say that you can't out-train a bad diet. And while there's a lot in that statement with the calories and what types of training people are doing, I'd just love to hear your breakdown on the contribution of nutrition. And we can go into some general principles of fat loss so that the listeners can take it away and start applying it in their life. Yeah, so it's kind of a tough question to answer because it ultimately depends upon what the person's own goals are and what their vision of their own best physique is. Certainly, if you're looking to look like a bodybuilder, then nutrition is vitally important. The more you don't care about maintaining body fat, 
somewhat the less important it is. Now then, of course, protein, if you're just going to eat Snickers bars all day, you're not, I don't care what you do, you're still not going to look good. So these are kind of hard questions to answer. I know people try to quantify a percentage, like nutrition is 75%. There's no way you can possibly do that. What I can say is nutrition is very important and training is very important. Certainly you're not going to have, if your goal is to get larger muscles, you're not going to get that if you don't lift weight. So really they are intertwined and the more your goal is to have a bodybuilding type physique, the more important both components become. Yeah, and that's well stated. I always tell people it really both matter, I say equally as much because that's just what I've seen in my own practice. But I know there's no magical formula you can give us for losing fat and everything, but what I see with the people who listen to the show, their particular situations with the guys I've talked to is they aren't bodybuilders. Most of them are not fitness professionals. They're all working hard. They want to eat better. And we're just bombarded by all this information about nutrition and we need to do intermittent fasting or we need to go low carb and get into ketogenesis. And what do the guys listening need to know about some basic principles for uh, fat loss nutrition? And then like, for instance, obviously calories matter, but not everybody can get into a lab and get their basal metabolic rate assessed. So what are some good general principles that they can start to use in their lives to start losing some body fat? Well, just from a basic standpoint, you did touch on it. The overriding factor, whether you're going to gain or lose weight, is the calories that you consume. And you don't need to go into a lab to have metabolic testing done. You can easily just estimate your caloric needs and then adjust it. Within several weeks, you should be able to nail, based upon weighing yourself on a weekly basis, you should be able to nail roughly how many calories are required to maintain a, a stable weight. Certainly within a month, that can be done quite easily. It's beneficial if you get to a lab and it just facilitates that. But you don't need that and calories will matter. So any of these diets, whether they're the low-carb diet, the low-fat diet, whatever it is, are predicated on the energy balance equation, which is if you take in more calories than you expend, you're going to gain weight. And if you take in fewer calories than you expend, you lose it. So in a very basic fashion, that can dictate the majority of what you do. Now, within that macronutrients, the carbs, proteins, and fats certainly are important. And most important of them is protein intake. And especially if you're going to want to have any type of muscle development, you need roughly double the amount of protein that a sedentary person does. And taking in higher protein intakes is important regardless because that will help. Protein has a satiety-inducing effect, meaning that it helps to reduce your hunger sensations and appetite. And higher protein is correlated with greater satiety, with greater with a lack of being hungry all the time. So keeping protein high is very important from that respect. When you're losing weight, protein requirements go up as well. Because if you're low in protein, you will not only lose fat, you'll lose more muscle along with it, which obviously isn't a goal. So really the two most important things are number one, determining caloric intake, and number two, getting a higher protein content. And how you go about it really becomes an individual choice. Some people thrive on a low-carb diet because it makes it easier to control calories. As I said before, it's not anything magical about ketogenic diets. It's about their ability to take out an entire food group, carbohydrates, and thus, by limiting choices, they tend to reduce the amount of food you're taking in. But people can count calories. Intermittent fasting is another way 
that people use to limit the amount of calories they're able to consume. I will also state that the number of meals eaten in a day within wide limits. Now, certainly you can make a case that having at least three meals, certainly at least two, but perhaps three is good for anabolism, for maintaining optimal muscle development from a fat loss. I actually just carried out a meta-analysis showing that there's really very little, if any, difference between one meal and as many as you can pretty much take in. Interesting. And yeah, one of the things that a lot of the intermittent fasting guys throw around is that, oh man, when you go without food, it releases growth hormone. And also like you get super hungry, but which is why I can't do that. But is there any truth to like, I know you kind of already answered this, but I want to just hear a little bit more about the intermittent fasting and whether the hormone fluctuations that people save with the types of dietary protocols that they use like intermittent fasting, whether that really has that big of an effect. I have not seen any evidence to suggest that there's any metabolic benefits over and above eating more frequent meals associated with intermittent fasting. And that includes growth hormone or any other types of myokines, muscle-derived factors versus other hormones as well. It doesn't mean that science might not show this to be a benefit at some point, but certainly the evidence, that is complete speculation at this point, and it's speculation that I don't buy into, just the way the hormonal levels work. I just don't see that as a factor. And by the way, growth hormone increases what's called lipolysis, which is fat breakdown. It mm-hmm. does not increase the oxidation, which is the burning of fat. So you can ah. increase in growth hormone might, if there is any benefit to that at all anyway, it would be in breaking it down, but that doesn't mean you're going to burn anymore. And if you can break down more fat and if it doesn't get burned, it just gets re-esterified, basically just gets repackaged into fat and then is stored again in your fat cells. So I have not seen any evidence whereby the intermittent fasting would confer a metabolic advantage. Right. Well, good to know. And I love the way you broke that down, even though it may release fat from stored body fat, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get burned. And that's kind of the way that fat burners work as well, don't they? Correct. Or thermogenic fat burners. That is correct. You can get into a lot, and I, we don't really have time to go into too much on that. <laughs> no problem. But, uh, but there are other factors that there are thermogenic factors that can cause heat release with some of the thermogenics. There are thermogenic factors that will enhance lipolysis, but also there is releasing heat. So th- there can be. It depends on the thermogenic, but again, a topic for another day. Yeah, definitely. Well, one of the things that you're known for in the fitness industry is closing the door on the anabolic window. In other words, for you guys listening, there was a thing going around for a very long time that you had to have like a protein shake after you exercised or your workout was just all for naught. And Brad did some research that pretty much showed that that wasn't the case. But Brad, what I'm curious to know is if we're interested in losing fat and let's say we work out first thing in the morning before breakfast, is there any benefit to having branched chain amino acids during that time or taking some protein or taking a protein carb drink? What's the story with that in fat loss? Well, first of all, let me take a step back in that our research, when we published a recent meta-analysis on this, doesn't necessarily show that there's no benefit. Basically, it shows that we're way over 
making this way too much than it seems to be. So there doesn't seem to be any significant benefit at this point, but I don't rule out that there might be a small benefit at some point. That still remains to be seen. The research is still equivocal, but I feel very confident in saying that if there is a benefit, it's not where you're going to see huge growth involved. As far as the fat loss aspects, again, it comes down, I've not seen any evidence whatsoever that the timing of food intake will maximize, will help to optimize fat loss in that respect within wide limits. Like I said, there is some evidence that consuming at least three protein-based meals spread out, specifically over the course of like your breakfast, lunch, and dinner every four to six hours, because the anabolic effects of a meal last about every four to six hours. So you can make a case that consuming a minimum of breakfast, lunch, and dinner would allow you to take in protein at sufficient times where you maximize anabolism. And that, even from a fat loss perspective, can help to offset any loss of muscle during fat loss, which I talked about before can be an important thing. But other than that, taking BCAAs or any other type of nutrients in and around the training session has not in any evidence I've seen been shown to increase the fat loss benefits. Wow. So what we've gone over so far basically comes down to the calories in, calories out, basic thermodynamics, in other words. And then the second principle that I'm getting from what you're saying is the macronutrients, especially protein, so that even if you do lose fat by cutting calories, you're not losing uh, muscle as well. So keeping that protein intake. And then, yeah, three meals a day, man. That's what most people, well, I guess I'm not sure about most people, but that's kind of what everybody's kind of always done or at least had in their mind. If I can add to that. Absolutely. Not that there's anything wrong with taking more frequent meals. I'm not saying you should only eat three meals. Any of the other strategies can work. It ultimately comes down to you want to try to optimize what's going to work for you because if you don't adhere to the diet, the number one reason that people don't lose weight or maintain a good weight is because of lack of adherence. Sure. They have a dietary strategy that fits their lifestyle and they're confused often. So it comes down to making sure that however you're going to choose to eat fits in with what you do when you're not force feeding your meal routine based upon what someone says is optimal. So you're not just doing intermittent fasting because someone says it's the best way to go about it and you can't hold to that strategy. You're not eating six meals a day similarly because someone says that's the best strategy when you can't hold to that. And there are also, by the way, as far as fats and carbohydrates, fats are an essential nutrient. So you do need a certain percentage of fats in the diet and keeping a very low fat diet can be detrimental. Hormonally, it can have negative effects. There's been studies showing that it can actually impede testosterone production if fat intake is too low. So it's important to get your fats in. Most important are your omega-3s, which are a subclassification of polyunsaturated fatty acids that have been shown to have very beneficial effects on bodily systems. And there's even some information recently that they have various benefits towards protein synthesis, which is how your body makes muscle tissue, as well as enhancing fat loss. So something to keep in mind there. And the other thing is that carbs are not necessarily the enemy. Some people can do better on lower carbs. Some people can do better on higher carb. But just by themselves, there's nothing inherently 
a bad or good per se. Carbs certainly can have beneficial effects on certain factors, and the fiber in whole grains and fruits and vegetables can be extremely beneficial. But anyway, as you can see, hopefully that this is a very complex topic that I tried to simplify, which really isn't a simple topic. Yeah, I know you give like entire presentations on this over the course of like several days, probably many of the fitness conferences. And yeah, we're just trying to get people a taste of some actual information that's not driven by emotional triggering hype marketing and get them on the right path. And that's what you do. And that's why I have a ton of respect for you, Brad. And also your book and your blog. Well, I know you have several books, but I have the Max Muscle Plan sitting right here in front of me. I really enjoyed reading it, learned some things and remembered some things that I had forgotten. And also, guys, go check out Brad's blog, Look Great Naked. I know I plugged it at the beginning, but he has some great information on there. Even if you're not in the fitness industry, he's just got some great stuff. So, Brad, I want to switch directions. Oh, actually, before that, you mentioned something about protein synthesis and fish oil. Man, I've heard all types of things from the guys at Precision Nutrition doing real high-dose fish oil with John Berardi, and I don't know if they no longer do that, but doctors say, oh, only take three grams total fish oils per day. What kind of recommendations can you give the listeners for fish oil intake? Yeah, I've not seen any evidence that taking in large doses would necessarily maximize that response. But a couple of grams a day seem to, again, very poorly researched at this point on that basis. Gotcha. As far as muscle building goes, but it would seem that a couple grams a day would be a good way to start. You don't need, at least there's no evidence that taking mega doses is going to have any additional effects. Gotcha. Awesome. So have a couple grams a day, two or three grams, Brad? Yeah, a good two grams. A lot of it depends upon the bioavailability of the fish oil you get. Certain fish oils, you might get a one gram capsule that only has 300 grams bioavailable. Others can have double that. So anyway, these are just general. It's hard for me to give you an exact here or give your listeners an exact here. It really comes down to kind of a gut feel in terms of what I'm saying in terms of the research. So given kind of a general overview based upon what I've seen that you'd probably well off just from a health perspective taking in a couple grams of fish oil a day. Well, there you go. We only have a few more minutes left, but I wanted to dive into exercise and there's so much we could say about it, but I'll ask you this question. Can you gain muscle and lose fat at the same time if you are tweaking both your nutrition to kind of back off on the calories, but also by increasing your workout volume and intensity through hypertrophy type training. So muscle building training, can it be done? Well, yeah, it can be done. So there's a bunch of caveats here. Number one, it can be done. Generally speaking, you're not going to maximize either component. So can you lose some fat and gain some muscle? Yes. Will you get maximal muscle and maximal fat loss together? No. And I'll also add that the extent to which you can do it is going to be based on several factors. Number one, your training status, so how long you've been training. The closer you are to your genetic potential, so the longer you've been training and the harder you've been training, the harder that is going to be to do. That's number one. Number two, it has to do with how much weight you currently have to lose. So the leaner you are, the harder that is going to be to do. If you have 30 pounds to lose, it's going to be a lot easier to do that than if you have five pounds to lose. And if you're taking any type of anabolic enhancements, kind of the Mexican supplements, you know. <laughs> right. 
then it can be easier as well. And if you're not, it's going to be more difficult. So really with those caveats, you can do it. But is that the best strategy to do? It it would depend upon if optimizing either component is your goal. Got you. And I think for the most part, the guys listening and even myself, Brad, I have more in common with my clients than I ever have before. I'm not the guy in the gym five, six days a week. I've got so much going on. Uh, more of a businessman these days. And like many of the listeners of the show, they've got kids or they've got all types of things and they don't have the luxury of maybe working in a gym or having a gym or working from home. So yeah, well, what type of protocol would you recommend based on wanting to not necessarily optimize muscle hypertrophy or muscle building or fat loss? Like what would you recommend? What type of split is more better And what type of rep range? Yeah, those are questions that would be really difficult because training is such a complex entity and there's just so many different ways to go. So, I mean, I can give you some generalizations that number one, you'd want to train over a spectrum of rep ranges. You don't want to just train in a given rep range, but I'll give you some better generalizations that I can provide on number one, you want to periodize your workout. And most importantly, you want to have periods where you're training very hard and then periods of deload. So you want to systematically include periods where you kind of dial it down a little. You want to periodize volume over time. So there is certainly a huge amount of research showing that higher volumes are associated with greater muscle development, but constantly training at too high a volume can ultimately have negative effects on your body and and ultimately lead to overtraining. So you want to systematically increase volume over the course of a periodized training cycle, whether that be four months, six months. Again, so many ways to go about it. So one of my central tenets and central adages that I like to state is that training is both a science and an art. I can give you a lot of the science, but how you go about the artistic element is very individual. So you take 10 different trainers and they can provide 10 different very good routines to the same client based upon their interpretation of the science. And again, for me to try to go through a routine, number one, I can provide a routine and we wouldn't have the time to go through it anyway. But even if I could... That would just be one potential choice, and there would be many others. You have my book, Max Muscle Plan. That book has a program, a protocol that I've used over and over again with high-level physique athletes to optimize body composition. But I say, is that the only way to go about it? No, it's just a way that is very successful, that I know works and that I honed over time. But one thing I also always say about that, it serves as a template for training and that really the individual needs to customize. One of the things I try to do is to talk about how to customize that to individual needs and goals and abilities. So there's just so many factors that enter the equation and trying to give a cookie cutter prescription really does a disservice to the individual because we can only speak in generalizations, not in individual perspectives. Yeah, well, obviously, well, not obviously, because we've never spoken before, but I've been in the fitness industry for 15 years. And yeah, I see programs that all different types of programs that work and don't work in different situations based on all types of circumstances. So I agree with you. It's always good to get some general guidelines as to whether working out more or less or an upper body, lower body split. Well, anyway, I know we're running out of time. You got to go. But I really enjoyed speaking with you, Brad. I hope to have you back. 
back in the future, maybe delve into some of your new research and what you're working on. So listeners, make sure you go check out Brad's blog, looknaked.com and Brad's book, The Max Muscle Plan. Brad, do you have any last words for the listeners? Yeah, I have a ton of free stuff over at my site and my blog. I try to touch on evidence-based practice. One of the things I'm really big upon, as I'm sure you know, is really trying to bring more science to the bodybuilding and fat loss exercise community that it's just filled with so much misinformation, so many people trying to make a quick buck. And really, there is a scientific way to go about it. And within that, as I mentioned, there's many ways you can use that science. But if we understand the proper principles, we can make educated decisions. And hopefully, if you do come over and check out my blog, you can, or not you, but well, you do, but all your listeners can benefit from that. Well stated, Brad. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, and most importantly, your time. Hope to have you back sometime soon, Brad. Thanks, Ted. All right. So that was the interview with Dr. Brad Schoenfeld. And he gave some great information. And I was trying to get some generalizations out of him and trying to get him to give some things to experiment with. And guys like him are very hesitant to do that. And I used to be the same way because Brad has such a high level of knowledge and he just understands all the different variables, your stress levels, how long you've been working out, your training age, which Brian Cron went over and all these other factors which come into play and what type of workout you've been doing. But definitely go over to his website and check it out. It is a bit more on the technical side, which is actually great. Like he said, he's trying to bring science to a business because that's what exercise ultimately is, the fitness business. And there's a lot of hype and misinformation. And that's why I was really appreciative to have him on and to help dispel some of that stuff because people love to sell or people love to buy into all these marketing ideas. And there's nothing wrong with getting excited about something. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be part of a group. We all want that stuff. However, it would be nice if it were based on legitimate claims that have some evidence to back them up. And by evidence, we're talking either research or like maybe some hints from what we know about human physiology. So it's really important to have that type of perspective. And if you have any questions on that, on anything that Brad had to say, you can shoot me over an email. Just go to my website, go to the contact section and just shoot me an email. I'd be more than happy to go over it. And like I said before, Brad and I have never spoken before. And unfortunately, I haven't been to one of his seminars so I could go up and talk to him. And he's a really busy dude. So I couldn't just say, hey, Brad, I've been in the industry 15 years. I've trained with all these different people and I've trained all types of different clients. And some get great results, some don't, and I experiment with all types of protocols, but he is really spot on with what he said and just want to let you know that I agree with it, not that he needs any validation from me, 
But also, I think it's important to have some things that you can play around with. Because unless you're going to hire a guy like Brad or hire a guy like me or call me up for coaching, or I don't even know if Brad does that or not, but probably not because he's running around speaking at all these fitness conventions. I mean, just all over the place. I was very lucky to have him give me even 30 minutes of his time. He's such a busy dude. But if you don't have a guy like me or Brad working with you and figuring things out, it can be very tough. And I'll tell you what, I've been in an industry for a long time and I've tried out all different types of training protocols and nutrition protocols, not so much diets. If you've ever heard me talk about nutrition, I've never followed like a diet from someone's diet book, but I've tried all different ways, different types of approaches to nutrition. And it's tough. I'm getting pretty good results right now. I had some fat I wanted to lose and I've found something that's kind of working for me. But anyway, like I said, if you have some questions, make sure you go over to my website, alphamanproject.com. Go to the contact section and just shoot me an email. You can also leave me a voicemail. And if you'd like to learn more about Brad, you know where to find him, lookgreatnaked.com. And you can check out his book, The Max Muscle Plan. I'm kind of mixing up my words right now. The Max Muscle Plan. He's got several other books as well. And it's just great information on training. It is a little bit more on the science side. So if you're into that, you definitely want to check it out. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that episode. You've reached the end of another episode of The Man Project. Connect with us at manprojectpodcast.com. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to receive our free tools. See you next episode.